All right, guys, that time, time to relax, leave all your work, stress at work. Now it's time for you to just groove to the beat. Pour your favorite drink, alcohol, non-alcohol, whatever you want. No judgment here. All right, all right, all right. So. That is uh, brought to you by Sam Barsh. I'll make sure you tag him on social media. So just in case you want to check out his music. All right. We had rain today. Did you did you see that, Wes? We actually had rain today. I did. That is freaking awesome. That is freaking awesome. Well, I'm getting ahead of myself. So before we continue on with the show, I got you got to do me one favor. One very, very small favor. Small favor. You need to click that subscribe button. So I'll let you do that. Oh, perfect. Perfect. Thank you. Now, also, I want you to do me another favor. I want you to click that bell, that notification bell. So you're notified as soon as we drop new videos. So make sure you click on that. All right. Perfect. All right. Great. Since you guys got all that stuff out of the way, now we can move on to the show. So welcome to episode 20. Can you believe it, Wes? Episode 20. One more episode and we're legally able to drink. What's up? <laughs> yes. So before we start with the show, would you like to do a quick introduction? So my name is Kieran McGlory, a.k.a. Coach Q. I am also a realtor where I get to help people buy, sell, invest in real estate. And I also get to coach agents to help them build successful real estate careers. I love what I do. I love helping people with their real estate needs and I also love coaching people and helping them build up to build successful careers as well. And now I'm going to let Wes share and let you guys know, Wes, what do you do? Hey, it's Wes West, y'all. Wes Oliver, a.k.a. Broker Wes, a.k.a. the money man, the mortgage wizard, the breaker of financial chains and the bringer of rain. So I am a mortgage broker and I get to educate all of you fine people on the finer points of financing a home and different types of properties. And I like to do that. That's what I love to do. I love it. I love it. All right. So Wes and I are true believers in growth, mindset, mentorship, all that good stuff. So today I want to share with you uh, a quote and information from one of my mentors, <clears throat> John Maxwell. And he talks about rejuvenation. Now, I'm not talking about you guys like going, buying some stuff at a store and you're supposed to drink in and rejuvenate yourself. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about natural rejuvenation, you know, having a positive mindset, right? Getting rest, you know, uh, getting your six plus hours of sleep at night, you know, taking time to meditate, taking time to really be by yourself because you need that. You need to recharge. So if you're the kind of person that doesn't really have that time to have that one-on-one -on -one time, you definitely want to start investing in that. One of the things I do, I get up at 4.30 in the morning, right? I don't need to get up at 4.30 in the morning, but I do because it gives me an opportunity to, to work out. It gives me an opportunity to listen to my audiobooks. It gives me an opportunity to look over my family as they're sleeping because that's kind of creepy and I don't, I don't care. I love them. So I like to look at them when they're sleeping. That's just what I do, right? That's what I do. So it's okay. They don't, right? 
doesn't matter. Anyway, <laughs> that's just a moment for me. It's just a moment of grateful being able to see my beautiful wife and beautiful kids, you know, like that. It gives the reason why I get up at 4 30 in the morning, right? It's for them, you know, it's, it's for them. It's to provide a better life for them. So that morning time, I get to, like I say, focus on my rejuvenation, you know, getting my mind sharp with my audiobooks, getting my body sharp when it comes to working out, right? Getting that focus, you know, looking at my schedule and see what I need to conquer that day. And it, it definitely has helped me. And I've noticed that. So I want to challenge you guys to go out there and really rejuvenate yourself. Look at your schedule. Find that time where you can really focus on yourself because you really have to focus on yourself to build yourself, to improve yourself. And that's what we're here to do on a, on a daily basis. You want to be better than you were yesterday, right? So, Wes, when you think of rejuvenation, like, what comes to mind to you? Yeah, so I think, um, you know, we used to say recharge your battery. Um, and I, I think more so when I think of rejuvenation, I focus more so on the mental aspect. Because I think everyone's hyper-focused to what's going on with them physically, you know, so a lot of people, it's easy to get up every day and think I need to take a walk or I need to do some push-ups or I need to go to the gym. But very few people exercise their mind in the morning before they start their day. You know, and I had a mentor that once told me that you should start every morning by reading 10 pages of a good book and listening to 15 minutes of a good audio session. So that's how I'd like to start my day, because like I said, it's exercise for the mind. Get your mind right, because if your body's, you know, if your body's right, but your mind's not right, you know, you're going to be a good looking zombie. That's it. <laughs> so, yeah, make sure, <laughs> make sure you're taking care of your mind. And you get your mind right, because that's the most important weapon you have throughout the day. Absolutely. I love that. All right, now we move on to the main event. So, housing games. Slowing down in 2022. So what does that mean, Wes? What does that mean by housing gains slowing down in 2022? Yeah, so this is based on um, a report that CAR, the California Association of Realtors, put out, um, basically estimating that housing gains were going to subside in 2022. Now, before I kind of go through the finer points of this, let me preface it by saying this. What they're saying is the market has been white hot, right? The market has been white hot. So what's going to end up happening is we're going to go from a white hot market to a normal red hot market. So that doesn't mean sales are going to go off the table. That does not mean that, you know, home prices will not still continue to go up. They're just saying that it's going to, you know, revert back to the mean, if you will. And I'm glad so, that you said that. It doesn't mean home prices are going to, to go down, that like home prices can still go up. Because right. sometimes when people think about momentum slowing down, a lot of people think, well, that means home prices are going to go down. So I'm glad right. that you brought up that point. Right. And really what we're talking about is them uh, accelerating at a decelerated rate. <laughs> Try saying that five times fast. So basically we've been looking at it. We, so we've had like 10 straight years of, you know, pricing gains in the housing market, 10 straight gains. And basically what they're estimating is that price gains will moderate and sales will decline a little bit. Now, the reason they're estimating this is going to happen 
is number one, and this is something that really shocked me. I did not know this, that right now there's only 23% of households that will be able to afford a home in California. Only 23% of the households in the state. So not even a quarter. That's crazy. Yeah, not even a quarter, not even 25%. So what that's done is it's got us to a point where 35% of the home sellers are actually moving out of state. So as opposed to buying a home, selling the home, then upgrading to a new home in the same state, 35% 35 of those people are selling it and getting out of Dodge, right? Mm -hmm. Also, and this is an indication of affordability, 15% of the people who sell their homes end up having to move to a different county than where they were, right? So that is another factor. Now, also throwing the fact that here's why we don't expect to see basically home prices go off the table or whatever, because right now you still have more people looking to buy a home than you have people looking to sell a home. So you have that factor. They're also estimating that interest rates by this time next year will be at three and a half percent. That's more than a half percent gain from where we are right now at this moment. Right. But we still have a shortage. So people are still going to be looking to buy a home. People are still, and by the way, the other thing is too, don't forget this. There's still expect a huge expected recovery as we continue to sort out the pandemic and we get back to normal. So more people are going to go back to work. More people are going to start making money again. So that's going to create new buyers who are in a better place of affordability at that point too. So yeah, it's going to slow down, but it's not going to end, right? So the thing I, the thing I would look at as far as this is concerned, because most people at this point are trying to wait and see what happens with prices. But the other side of that coin, which you need to consider, if rates go up to three and a half percent, like I said, that's more than a half percent higher than where we are right now. So it's a give and take. You're not going to get utopia. You're not going to get everything you want. You know, so you have to decide which one makes more sense to you, which one's a higher priority for you. Absolutely. I love that. All right. Now we move on to hot topics. Hot topics. All right. So hot topic for the day. Mortgage forbearance, 75%. Wes, what does that mean, man? What does that mean? Yeah, so as you know, a lot of people have been in a forbearance due to the pandemic. And I will say this. Let me preface it by saying this. It's not all people who actually need the forbearance. I know. I'm speaking with these people. I'm dealing with these people. I know. Some of them just saw an opportunity and they did it. (laughs) But anyway. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so basically in the next few weeks, 75% of the remaining people who are in a forbearance are going to reach that 18 month limit. And they're going to have to come out of that forbearance, you know, within the next few weeks. Um, so this is going to be, be the biggest forbearance wave yet of people coming out of a forbearance. Now, like, 
we said 75% of the 1.7 million homes, that's five, I'm sorry, 75% of 1.7 million are coming out of a forbearance. Now we've had these conversations before. What does that mean for distressed properties? Are we going to see a lot of short sales? Are we going to see a lot of foreclosures and whatnot? I'm still skeptical on that. And the reason being, one of the other things that they highlighted in this particular article is that most homes have at least 10% equity in them right now because the white hot market. So if you have that 10% equity and you can no longer afford your home, as I've said many, many times before, that means you get to call someone like Kier and say, hey, I need you to sell my home. I can't afford it anymore. And being that we're in a white hot market, when they call Kier to list the home, guess what he's going to do? He's going to sell it for the current going rate in the market. That means you're not getting a deal. It's not a distressed property. It's not going to be a short sale. It's not going to be a foreclosure. Um, sure, we will still probably have some people that may end up in those particular situations, but I just don't think this uh, wave or flood of distressed properties hit the market that most people are dreaming of mm-hmm. is going to happen. Because like I said, most people still have pretty substantial um, equity in their property right now. So that's, you know, that's basically where we're at. So we'll keep an eye on it. Like I said, oh, one last thing to keep an eye on as well, which may force more people to sell. If most people have impound accounts or escrow accounts where the lender collects a portion for the property tax and homeowners insurance every month, and they pay it for them on their behalf. If you have not been making mortgage payments, that means you have not been paying into your impound account. Property taxes are due November 10th. They're considered past due December 10th. So that'll also be something that's interesting as well that may force more people to sell sooner than they'd like to because I'm, I'm imagining they're, the lender is going to ask them to get caught up on the property taxes as well. And, you know, in California, depending where you are, that could be a pretty, pretty sizable chunk of money. So like I said, we'll just have to keep an eye on it and see how it all, how it all happens. But hey, maybe it'll be a good thing because we'll have more properties in the market for those who are looking to get into a property right now. It's unfortunate for those who may not be able to afford to keep their property but the great news is they'll be able to get back in the market at some point and we'll be here to service them. I didn't say it better. Excellent, Wes. Excellent. Roka Wes. All right. Now we move on to the market update. So, Wes, well, regarding the market update, I know you want to talk about this new way of how you guys are able to uh, calculate credit in terms of a factor and this new way of how you guys are calculating credit now, they'll actually be able to open more doors to buyers, right? Yeah, so Fannie Mae um, announced, and I, I assume that Freddie Mac will probably follow suit at some point. You know, they're like, they're like big brother and little brother. You know, big brother doesn't eventually, little brother wants to do it too. So basically, here's how it would normally work. So if you want to do a conventional mortgage and Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac, we're all following their guidelines for conventional mortgages. So right now, you need to have a credit score of at least 620 points. And if there are two people on an application, both of you need to have at least 620 points. 
Now, what Fanny is going to allow to happen, let's say Kier's buying a property and his credit score is a 700. He wants to have his wife co-borrow with him so she can bring her income into the equation as well, but her credit score is only 600 points. Well, under the current system, they would automatically not qualify with both of them on the, applica on the application. So what Fannie is proposing, why don't we take Kier 700 and Mrs. Kier 600 and we'll average them out. So now their average credit score is a 650 point credit score. Now, once all that's done, that still doesn't guarantee you'll get a loan. But what happens is we now have to process your application through the automated underwriting system provided by Fannie Mae. This is what we call desktop underwriter. And it takes all the information from your loan application and it processes it, processes it through its algorithms and it's going to give us a result. And the result that we're looking is approve eligible. That's the result we're looking for, approve eligible. So before, when we would process an application through desktop underwriter, and one of the applicants did not have a 620 point credit score, it would automatically say ineligible. Like, no, this ain't gonna work. Now, even though you're still not guaranteed to get an approved eligible, it's not automatically gonna disqualify you because of that credit score. It's still gonna take all the other factors and compensating factors from the application and give you a result but basically your credit score will not automatically be a denial. So if you, if you have an average credit score of 650 between the both of you, but you have good income and your debt to income ratio is really low and you have substantial savings, so you're well capitalized, then there's a possibility now that you will get an approved eligible. Now, if you have the highest amount of highest allowable debt to income ratio and you basically are putting down like the minimum or something like that, you may not get an approved eligible. But the point is, before where they used to say you had to be this tall to ride the ride, now they're saying, well, you still may be able to ride the ride. We'll look at the other factors and decide, but you, your height is not going to keep you off the ride, though. Yeah, I love that, man. I love the what you get, what the program and how it's going to be conducted moving forward. Because I truly feel that it's definitely going to open up more doors and more opportunities for us to have more uh, home buyers. So I'm definitely for that. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. I move on to one of my favorite segments of the show, the Wes Files. So Wes, finance is a universal language, just like love. <laughs> <laughs> all right Wes. so tell us what that means man what does that mean yeah so the west files just want to introduce everybody to this this is where i try to take my personal experiences with helping someone get pre-approved for a home loan or with financing a home and there are certain things we learn along the way certain mistakes certain errors that i can bring and share with you guys so that you don't make these same mistakes so the part about finance being a universal language. Now, in the last segment, we were talking about Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. For those of you who don't know, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, they're government-supported entity, entities, or GSEs, as we call them in our industry. And they are basically providing the guidelines 
for conventional mortgages for just about every lender that chooses to abide by those guidelines so that they can sell their loans to Fannie or Freddie, right? So you also have something called an overlay. Now an overlay is a particular qualification that you might need to meet for a specific lender. So Fannie Mae might say that you're allowed to have a debt-to-income ratio as high as 50%, but a lender could choose to be more restrictive and say, even though Fannie says you can go up to 50, we don't want you going past 45%. A case where you might see that is where someone is qualifying for debt, uh, I'm sorry, for down payment assistance programs, because that's typically what they do. So I had one client in particular that, you know, we got to the pre-approval and I crunched all the numbers and I gave them how much they would qualify for. Now, what ended up happening was they were not happy with that amount and they decided to go down the street, talk to another lender and that other lender told them the same thing, right? The reason I say finance is a universal language is because we're all dealing with the same guidelines. Now, you, have, you might have lenders that have different overlays, but when it comes to Fannie and Freddie and their guidelines, specifically how we arrive at our conclusions about what money you can and cannot use to qualify for a home, what your income is, how to calculate income, those things are universal based on those guidelines. And I have, to, I have to tell people that all the time. I have to make a distinction when I tell them that this isn't going to work or you won't qualify based on this. This is not the lender guideline. This is Fannie or Freddie. That's what you're dealing with. You know? And I have to make that distinction all the time. Yes, there are some times where overlays like perfect example. As a broker... I work with many lenders and there are times when I might send a loan to one particular lender and that lender basically says that's not going to work, but it's not a Fannie or Freddie guideline. It's their guideline. And I move it to another lender and that lender says, yeah, we'll do that. Case in point, I'm helping someone refinance right now. Last year they had their, uh, they had their second home rented out. This year they don't, it's a second home again. I took it to lender A, lender A said, yeah, we need to see the tax return showing that that wasn't an investment property for the entire year, or we can't do it. That's just our rule. I said, no problem. Thank you, lender A. Lender B, would you like my client? Lender B said, yeah, all we need is A, B, and C, and we'll take it. And they're refinanced, they're done, they're good to go. So that's an overlay. But when we talk about the guidelines from Fannie or Freddie, that's totally different. And you can't just hop from one lender to the next and get past that. Now, and I'll say this, one last thing, one caveat, because I always like to be full disclosure, completely honest. Sometimes you find a lender that what we call like portfolio lenders, where they might keep a particular loan in their portfolio. Mm-hmm which means that they're not going to sell it to Fannie or Freddie. And because they're not going to sell it to Fannie or Freddie, they can make up their own rules. So 
if I say your maximum debt to income ratio is 50% per Fannie or Freddie, this lender could say, we're not going to use their guidelines. We'll fund it ourselves. We'll service it ourselves. We'll keep it on our books. So we're going to allow you to go up to 55%. That does happen from time to time, but incredibly rare because most lenders don't want to keep loans on their portfolio because they want to sell loans, finance more loans, sell loans, finance more loans so they can keep financing loans. So just be aware and always ask the lender when they're telling you something doesn't, you know, something doesn't jive or something can't be done. Ask them, is this your rule or is this according to the guideline, the financing guidelines, or is this unique to your company? And if they say it's unique to us, then you know you can go out there and it's not a waste of time to start seeking other lenders. But if they say, no, these are the guidelines, then it is what it is. That's it. But by the way, and I'll end with this, it doesn't hurt to get a second opinion because sometimes I know I've been in this situation many times. I know something the other lender don't know about the guidelines. You know, something might've been updated, something might've mm -hmm. changed and they didn't know it. They didn't catch it. I did. So that's perfectly fine. You can still get a second opinion, but just understand you're not going to find somebody out there that's just going to be able to do what you want to do because you want them to do, do it. Yeah, I like that, man. Well, like you said, like the title speaks. Finance is a universal language. So I love two plus that. Plus two is four everywhere you go. Absolutely. All right. Now we move on to City Spotlight. All right. Now, today's city we're going to spotlight is the beautiful city of Sunset Beach. So let's give it up for Sunset Beach. All right, so I'm going to give you some numbers, and then Wes is going to tell you fun stuff to do in Sunset Beach. This is the time when we like to switch off, right? Because he talks about numbers all the time. So I'm going to give him a break. So I'm giving you a break, Wes. You're welcome. Thank you. You're Thank welcome. You. Exactly. Exactly. So Sunset Beach. Well, first and foremost, it was incorporated September 8th, 1904. Yeah, over 100 like over 100 years, right? Yep. Right? <laughs> over there. Like, like, yeah, yeah, 2000, yeah, over 100 years ago. So that's pretty awesome. So currently on the market right now, there's about there's about six homes currently available in the city of Sunset Beach. Uh, average days on market, meaning that when a home comes on the market, when it actually gets sold or goes in escrow is about 64 days, which is actually a little longer than what we normally see, but there is a reason why. The average list price in the city of Sunset Beach is $6.6 million. Exactly, right? Exactly. Wow. So that's why it's about 64 days on the market. So like I said, average uh, list price is about $6.6 million. Uh, average income and in, uh, median income in the city of Sunset Beach is about over 109000 So those are just some numbers about Sunset Beach. If you're interested in buying, selling, or investing in the city of Sunset Beach, please feel free to reach out to myself or Wes, and we'd love to help you. Now, Wes, what's some fun stuff you can do at Sunset Beach besides going to the beach? Yeah, so basically Sunset Beach is... Uh... Sounds like it's a 
you know, subdivision of Huntington Beach, <laughs> right? <laughs> Almost sounds like a sub, subdivision. So a lot of the stuff to do in Sunset Beach is actually stuff to do in Huntington Beach. So we've got Oktoberfest. I'm sure, I don't know if you've ever been there, Kier, at uh, Old World. Mm. It's a pretty good time. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's right across the street from where the mall is. Bella Terra, I believe that's what it's called. Oh, yeah, yes, so, I've been there before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right near the uh, the junior college, Golden West. So, yeah, good time there. Uh, cars and cop- copters on the coast. Try saying that five times fast. Cars and copters. On the coast. On the coast. On the coast. Cars and copters on the coast. Cars and copters on the coast. Cars and copters on the coast. Yeah, it's a little hard. Yeah. It's a little hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's basically a big car show with and a helicopter show. So now yeah. I'm imagining the Catalina that's, Wine Festival. That's pretty awesome, man. Like you're going to a cars and you're gonna go check out some helicopters. I mean, that's awesome. <laughs> right. Truly a truly an indulgent of the extravagant, right? Absolutely. <laughs> uh, they have a California wine festival, they have the Veterans Day car show. The Huntington Harbor Boat Parade, which is for Christmas time. You know, everybody decorates with the lights and all that. The Miracle on Main Street, which another holiday celebration down on Main Street, where uh, the life lifeblood of Huntington Beach is. Good place to hang out. That's where I usually used to get my sushi back in the day. Had a couple good spots over there. And uh, they have a Veterans Day ceremony. So all that going on. And by the way, I hope, I hope they get everything cleaned up and there wasn't too much damage from the oil spill that happened near there the other day. Uh, so yeah, we'll keep an eye on that. Yeah, absolutely. I'll give a, a quick update uh, when we go to our next section. So yes, yeah. perfect. Perfect. So Sunset Beach sounds like a really fun time. So if you're interested, have any questions about Sunset Beach, definitely feel free to reach out to us. We would love to assist you. So let's give it up one more time for the beautiful city of Sunset Beach. All right. Now we move on to our last segment of the show. It's called In the News. Not in the nude. Okay. Not in the <laughs> in the news. So uh, let's start. Well, let's start with the, the, the oil spill that, that West has brought up. I just want to give you guys a quick update and then we'll go on to other topics. So According to the the oil spill, uh, I believe Laguna Beach has opened up only for the beach only. So I feel that's probably what other beaches are going to be um, uh, regulating, that you can go to the beach, but you still can't go into the water. So on that, I believe that, start, that starts to today. So it starts Friday, uh, October 8th, today, right? So you can go on the beach. So, so that's the update for that. Also, what we're going to talk about today, we'll talk about... Dave Chappelle's new special and how it's being canceled, right? And also talk about Kanye West starting a prep school, right? A, yeah. Someone of trying to compete with, with LeBron James. So we'll also talk about that too. So let's start with the Dave Chappelle's special. So Wes, have you had an opportunity to watch it yet? I'm about halfway through it. I, you, you know, when you have kids, man, you, you got to pace <laughs> yourself through that stuff. It's oh, only like it. an hour and 15 minutes, but I got to get like little 15 minutes snippets here and there. But yeah, I'm about halfway through it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, I had an opportunity to, to watch last night. So um, for me, I've always looked at comedy as a an art form, first and foremost, but also an opportunity for people to express themselves and also be controversial. 
right? Like, that's how I always looked at comedy, right? And that's how I look at, you know, Dave Chappelle, right? A person that speaks his mind, you know, regardless if it's not appealing to the masses. It's, it's just how he feels. And obviously, I know, you know, some of the things that he said has probably rubbed people the wrong way. But really, at the end of the day, I mean, First Amendment, you know, the freedom of speech. And also, you have the ability to tune in tune out, right? right. Like, if you don't want to watch it, guess what? You don't have to watch it, right? right. So, I mean, that's, that's how I take it, you know? Like, because obviously, there's, you know, there's other things going on in the world and, and mm-hmm. things like that. But we have the opportunity to tune in and tune out. So if you're a person that doesn't like it, just tune out, you know, because right. it, it just I don't know. I just don't like seeing people getting canceled and, and things of that nature, especially when it comes to a comedian where that's an art form where people are supposed to be able to express themselves. Mm-hmm. It's not a place where people should be censored and told what to say and what not to say. You know, right. let your your audience is going to be your 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 judge. Man, at the end of the day, right? They're either going mm-hmm. to clap. They're either going to laugh or they're going to boo you, right? right? So those are the ways that people should express themselves. So, so Wes, what do you think about this, what you're hearing about the whole canceling and things of that nature? Yeah, um, yeah, I, I, I can definitely understand why certain groups, and, and this group uh, specifically is glad, might have taken offense to some of the things that were said in the show. I haven't seen the whole show yet, but I can understand that. Um, but, you know, the thing is, you know, he has the freedom to say it and you have the freedom to disagree with it, you know, and, um, you know, trying to have it pulled from, you know, platforms and whatnot. I've just always felt that keeping people from hearing the thing doesn't keep people from thinking a thing, you know, that is my perspective on it. So, uh, and, and I wish it were that way, but it, it, it's not, you know what I mean? There are certain things that, and by the way, there are certain forms and certain places that certain things should not be said, obviously. We all know that. We all have a workplace that we go to, and we understand there are things that we can't say and do in the workplace, or else it could lead to consequences such as us losing our jobs and whatnot, right? But, you know, like I said, having, um, having the ability to say something in certain forums, you know, that's perfectly fine. And if you don't agree with it, that's perfectly fine. And like I said, just trying to stop a thing from being said is not going to stop, you know, an attitude about it or whatnot. You know, it's, it's kind of like the thing now where somebody gets caught saying something in their public life and their job gets a hold of it, you know, and then they end up getting fired. And that's the company's decision to make as to whether or not that person represents your ideal of the company and whatnot. But you know, if that company decided not to fire that person, you know, so be it, you know, it is what it is and they got to make money somewhere. Someone's going to hire them, <laughs> you know, they got to be able to pay their bills. So uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll watch the rest of it. And um, like I said, and by the way, I think there are things out there in the universe, especially in entertainment that offend all of us to some degree, you know what I'm saying? And for those things, as you said, I just tune out. Don't watch them, you know, and um, there are certain people that would not watch those things because they feel the way that I might feel about them. But there are some people who are going to watch those things because they don't feel the way I do about them. And I don't think taking that thing off a TV or off a Netflix is going to keep people from thinking and feeling those things. Unfortunately, that's just the world we live in. 
Yeah, absolutely. Very well put. Very well put. All right. So we move on. So Kanye starting a prep school. So Wes, I'm not really so familiar on, on this uh, on this uh, development. So Wes, tell us a little more about that, about Kanye yeah. West starting a prep school. Yeah, so he basically started a prep school called the Donda Academy, uh, going to be somewhere out in the L.A. area. I guess the idea is that they're going to be a rival of um, Sierra Canyon, which Sierra Canyon is the school where LeBron James Jr., as some know as Bronny, currently plays basketball. And I think there's a few other NBA players whose children play there as well. Mm-hmm. I think Dwayne Wade's son might play there and possibly, um, gosh, who else was it? I think maybe, no, nah, not Chris Bosh. I can't remember. But anyway, um, so that's basically the idea. So right now, I guess he has like a few five-star recruits already committed to going there and playing ball there, even though they don't have a coach yet. And they're already talking about setting up a game between the two schools at the Staples Center in February. So how cool is that, that Bronny will possibly get to play on the same floor that his father plays on as a professional? Wow. Yeah. Yeah, That's pretty cool. Pretty awesome. Pretty, pretty interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yep. Nice. Cool. Awesome. All right. So Kanye starting the prep school. So obviously we'll keep you guys updated with more information as it's developing and all that good stuff. So I also want to talk about the, the mass mandates. Uh, I know Los Angeles uh, just passed, you know, a mandate that's requiring people to show proof of vaccination everywhere Mm -hmm. in LA. You know, whether you're going into a museum, you're going to a movie theater, you're going to an indoor restaurant, you're going to a gym, it's requiring uh, vaccination. You're showing proof of vaccination, you know, in the whole uh, city of Los Angeles. Now, obviously, Orange County hasn't uh, changed anything, mandates or anything or any other counties that I'm aware of. Right, Wes? I think it's just Los Angeles right now. I believe it is just Los Angeles. And I think I read something about... um... Somewhere up north, maybe, maybe um, San Francisco or something like that, considering it, but it hasn't put it in place yet. Okay. Yeah. So it's definitely interesting, definitely see how that will affect things. I mean, obviously, you know, Los Angeles is a huge place, right? But it could it cause people to, to leave Los Angeles, maybe relocate to Orange County, other counties, or even leave California altogether. So we'll definitely keep you updated, see if we get any, any type of data or even see any type of poll results you know, in terms of, you know, how people are reacting to this, you know, things of that nature. So, yeah, we'll definitely keep you guys up on that. Uh, anything else you want to share, Wes? Yeah, so the uh, Major League Baseball playoffs have started. Uh, uh, I think um, read that up. Oh, yeah, the Dodgers uh, had a pretty exciting ending uh, to play into the NLDS. Uh, the game ended on, what, a two-home uh, two run. Uh, two score home runs. So that's pretty interesting. Unfortunately, I'm an Angels fan, uh, but I do like baseball. So I'll keep an eye on that. And the Yankees are out. So as an Angels fan, I think that's pretty great news. Um, but yeah, I will keep an eye on that. And, uh, you know, I can't really root for the Dodgers, but hey, if Dodger fans are happy, whatever, I don't care. Live and, and let live, last, right? <laughs> yeah, it, it is what it is. And then uh, lastly, we didn't talk about this. I forgot the Super, time, the Super Bowl halftime show. Oh, 
something yeah. that that should have happened like a long time ago is is finally happening. So so Wes, share share. So what's happening? Yeah, so this year the Super Bowl will be played at SoFi Stadium, home of the Rams and the Chargers in Inglewood, always up to no good. And <laughs> so they announced who's going to be performing at the halftime show this year. So it's going to be Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, Eminem, and Mary J. Blige. So that's quite the lineup. That should be one entertaining halftime. Now, I will say this. It does sadden my heart because... Nate Dogg is deceased, and he was so great singing on all those tracks. I mean, he's singing almost all of those tracks. I even used to tell people, if you want a hit song, put Dr. Dre on the production, let Snoop rap on it, and let Nate Dogg sing the hook. And that's going to go platinum every single time. So he won't be there, and I'm hoping, because I really think, I'm like, why didn't they invite Ice Cube? I hope him and Exhibit will just show up because that would be really cool. That'll throw it over the top. If Ice Cube and Exhibit show up, yeah, man. Absolutely. Whole West Side connection, man. (laughs) Yeah. Get DJ Quick in there, too. I'm down with that. (laughs) There you go. There you go. Yeah, so that would definitely be be exciting, man. It seems like that should have been something that happened before, but it's so so fitting actually having a up in Inglewood to have this happen now. You know what yeah. I mean? So it, it's awesome. So I'm definitely looking, definitely excited to seeing that. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So yep. thank you guys for tuning in to episode 20 of Real Talk with Coach Q and Roker West. All right, guys. Until next time, see you on the next episode, 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 episode.